So about four years ago, almost exactly, not quite, a little bit under, uh, my daughter Bella, she's my second daughter, playing for the Hidden Valley girls soccer team. At that time, they were ranked number one in the state. And she was in Klamath Falls at a game. She's driving in to shoot. She plants and goes to shoot the ball into the net. The goalie came out and cleated her right in her planted foot and snapped her leg in two. Tib-fib, both of them broke. So we weren't at the game. Normally, we'd be at the game. But that game happened to be on October 24th, which is my oldest daughter's birthday. So we're at a birthday party for my oldest daughter. When we get the phone call, hey, your daughter Bella just broke both of the bones in her leg. She's at the hospital in Klamath Falls. So we hop in the car and make that two-hour trip in about 10 minutes. I may have sped a little bit. All right, and we get there, just brutal. I mean, it's just brutal. She is in agony and in pain. That's not a fun thing to have happen. She's ah, just, ah. So we're thinking, what do we do? We're gonna bring her back here to Grant's Pass. And you know, they said, you got a couple of days to kind of figure out what to do here. So the doctor said, if you're gonna move her, I need to, I need to get the bone lined up because it's not lined up right now. And it's just gonna cause a lot more worse. So you need to set the, the bone. So he goes, I'm gonna give her a shot of ketamine hydrochloride. And he said, it is a disassociative anesthetic. And I just said, English, man, for like 30 seconds, you just lost me. What are you saying right now? He said, well, we kind of call it a truth serum because you're never sure what's going to come out of people. So I'm like, really? Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> and if you've been in the Klamath Falls emergency room, there's not rooms. It's a giant room and there's just kind of curtains. So everything is just open and echoey. And my daughter has a heavily trait, which is a voice that carries. So she has that kind of voice that you can hear her wherever. So I'm kind of like, oh no, great. Uh, give her the shot. And it was unbelievable. Absolute sweetness came out of Bella. Like I have never seen her like this. I, I, there's no way I could exaggerate how sweet she was. Like she gets taken off for an x-ray and she comes back and she's sitting there in the room and uh, the x-ray technician comes back in and he kind of pops and he's like, she's like, Brian, you're back. I missed you. That is a nice shirt, Brian. That's a great shirt, right? Emma, one of the soccer players was there as well. I love you, Emma. Oh, I just love you, Emma. So this is like echoing throughout the whole emergency room. And people are like, hey, I kind of want a compliment. The receptionist came over. She like pops in and Bella sees her. She's like, your hair is gorgeous. You are so pretty. Who did your eyebrows? They're perfect. So I looked at the doctor. I was like, can I get some of that for home? Is this like a prescription or something? <laughs> We're in a series right now called The Gospel of the Kingdom. And Jesus is now going to talk about truth. And I'm going to give you the punchline. The gospel is supposed to be in the believer a truth serum. That it is supposed to absolutely change the way that you and I interact with the world. That's supposed to be the power of the gospel when it saturates your heart, 
when it gets into your mind, when it actually becomes what you live, it frees you to be a kind of people that are different and distinct, All right? So let's hear what Jesus has to say about it. It's Matthew chapter five, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old. Jesus is on this. This is the fourth time he's done this. This is the way it was done, right? You know this. Usually based in the law, sometimes a direct quotation from the law or kind of a um, concentration of different ideas from the law. And then he's gonna say, but I tell you. Again, you have heard that it was said of old. You shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, new idea. Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Literally in the Greek, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Jesus is saying, and with something we already know, our words matter. They have a power. They create something. They create a reality. They have this power to them. They can be sweet and complimentary where people are like, hey, tell me more. They can guide us. They can encourage us, but they can also hurt us. And that's today. If you could reverse the clock and go back 2,000 years ago, all a person had was their word. It was an oral society, right? There was no contracts that you would take out with each other and you would sign them. There were no lawyers to figure stuff out. There was no fingerprints. There was no video cameras. There was no DNA evidence. There's no polygraph test that you could take. All that you had was your testimony. All that you had were the words of your mouth. And the hope that people would tell the truth. Can you imagine a society where everybody told the truth. Nobody ever lied, it was always the truth. You'd go to court, it'd be two minutes long because you'd just say, well, that's the truth, okay, that's it. That everybody was on a truth serum. But that is not the world we live in, is it? In fact, if you dissect the very first sin, it begins with a lie. Eve is told a lie by the serpent. Serpent says, if you eat of the tree, you're not going to die. Was that a lie or was that the truth? Is Eve still alive? No, she's dead. All of it began with a lie. And since that day, every human has been infected with this lying disease. So what do we do? Humans are untrustworthy. Humans are liars. What do you do? Well, you start to make oaths. 
you start to swear, right? You start to say things like, hey, seriously. Now, I wasn't serious before, but right now I'm serious, right? I was lying before, but now I'm really, really, really serious. So we have all these terms to be honest. Well, what were you before, right? Honestly, sincerely. Scouts, honor, right? We have all these things straight up. Come on, right? Bottom of my heart. I promise, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, right? Very early on, kids already realize, hey, we're all liars, so I've got to step it up right now with some kind of an oath, some kind of way to say, hey, I'm serious right now. So oaths and all the phrases that we have with them are because people are untrustworthy and people are liars. And so we're trying to, trying to figure out how do we become more of a truth? How do we make our words matter more? That's really what we're doing. And God cares. In the Old Testament, what you see in the law is real simple. God is trying to take a group of people and he's trying to say, hey, this group of people, they're gonna live distinctly. They're gonna live differently. How they interact with the world is gonna be a way of showing how I interact with people. And my people are gonna keep their word. They're gonna keep their vows. They're gonna keep their oaths. And God was really serious about this. God really took a person's oath seriously. I'll read for you Deuteronomy 23. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips. For you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. God was real serious. You keep your vows. You keep your oaths. The psalmist reflecting on this in other passages, it's Psalm 15. He says, who gets to ascend the holy hill of God. Who gets to get up in God's presence? Verse four, the man that keeps his vow even unto his own hurt. The guy that says, I gave my word and it does not matter. I will keep it no matter what, even to my own hurt. Imagine a group of people that did that, that they kept their word no matter what. Can you imagine that? So you go to Evergreen Federal Bank and you want to take out a loan for a house and instead of signing your name 50 times and initialing 621 times, you just say, Evergreen Federal Bank, I swear to pay you $2,000 a month for the next 30 years. And the loan officer just pushes across $450,000 to you. There you go, take it. You'd be like, yeah, sweet but that is not the world we live in. People don't keep their word under their own hurt. People will burn people and not do what they say, right? That's not the way humans work. We are weak and we are untrustworthy. So what happened was this, swearing and oaths weren't enough. 
People are liars. So they started saying, swearing oaths, but swearing oaths were not enough. So here's what happened. They began to swear on something that that society held in great honor. They began to swear on something that was really important and kind of showed, hey, this is really, really important. But they wouldn't swear to God because God was dangerous and God required you to keep your word and God might come and kill you if you didn't. So they didn't want to swear on God. That's too serious. We need to find something that's less serious than God, but really, really important. And we've seen that in our culture. You look at old TV shows or old movies. When someone would go into court to testify, what would they do? Raise your right hand and put your other hand on the Bible. You swear to tell the truth, right? No, that was the same idea that they're doing right here. Swear on something that you hold in high regard, something that you say is important, that has integrity, that's really, really important. That's what they did. So verse 34, Jesus says this, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, where it's the throne of God, or by earth, where it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's a city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Praise the Lord, Matt. I have never swore oath on Jerusalem. I'm good. Here's the idea. It's this kind of idea of, I know I'm untrustworthy. I know you can't just believe me, but I'm gonna demonstrate I'm serious by talking about taking an oath on heaven or earth or Jerusalem or my head. But then this system became silly. And Jesus talks about it in Matthew 23. Let me read this for you. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound to his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred. Here's where it happened. The whole oath thing had this silliness to it, right? If you made an oath on the temple, you got out of it. You didn't have to pay. You didn't have to keep your word. But if you did it on the temple gold, man, you were bound. People were getting off on technicalities. Don't you hate that? I just, this week, I Googled a bunch of like, people that got off on technicalities, guys that murdered people, 100% guilty, free on a technicality. Just brutal. You just say, turn your stomach, right? But in the process, I read this one that I thought was less depressing and kind of funny. There was this guy who robbed Montgomery Wards, totally guilty. They had everything on him, every evidence. It was an open and shut case. The prosecutor in the case referred to the Montgomery Ward Company as Montgomery Wards. The paperwork said the Montgomery Ward Company, but the prosecutor only used Montgomery Wards in the whole thing. And that dude walked on that technicality. Scout's honor, true story. Not joking, 
<laughs> He's like, ah, it makes you, that's what was happening. And Jesus is like, this is silly. Remember God's heart was, I want a people, a distinct kind of people. A nation that everyone knows, if you talk to this group of people, man, their word is their bond. They'll keep their vows even unto their own hurt. Instead, he's getting a group of people that are playing these silly technicalities and semantics with words and manipulating. I, I have my fingers crossed, right? And double-crossing people. This is binding, that's not binding, just insanity. And so God's system of desire and his wanting to have a people that keep their word because he keeps his word and we represent him became just blown out of the water, childish. You said, I didn't promise. You promised, I didn't pinky promise. Like you just, uh, 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 it's infuriating, right? So boiling it down, here's the problem. We use words and vows and oaths and all that stuff to make our words matter and become more important so that we can manipulate people. That's the problem. And, And everyone in here does it all the time. We do it all the time. Sometimes it happens in church where someone's making a really poor decision and you try to help them make a better decision and they're like, well, I prayed about it and I have a peace about it. Trump card, right? Or in certain denominations, it's the Lord told me. Well, what do you say about that, right? You just trump me. I can't even do anything now because you said the Lord told you. Okay. We do the same thing. We use these ways of making our words matter more. Or sometimes we use our rank to make our words matter more. You ever had someone pull rank on you? I have. I was an engineer, maybe six months. Sent down to Fresno, there was this gigantic site there, it's called a super site. Millions and millions of dollars of equipment from all these companies, they all kind of come together, it's all tested, you kind of, it's like a competition of sorts. So I go down there to set up the equipment for my company, kind of learning the ropes, this is what happens. And I'm a new guy, I'm there, I'm just trying to set up the stuff and get out. So I'm down there, this guy comes over to introduce himself to me. And I know his name, I'll make up a name. He comes over, this is how he introduced himself to me. Hi, Bill Allen, Harvard, PhD. I was like, oh, Matt Heverly, Murphy, goat farmer. I didn't say goat farmer. Right? What was that? What was that right there? My words matter. That's what he was telling me. Because of my rank, because of where I'm at in this little pecking order on this little site, my words matter. That's what he was telling me. Okay, gotcha. No problem. That's what happens in this world. Jesus is trying to say, listen, in the kingdom, in the kingdom, you don't have to pull rank anymore. In the kingdom, you don't have to posture anymore. In the kingdom, you don't have to lie and hide who you are from people anymore. You don't have to wear masks anymore. Your yes can be yes, and your no can be no. Are we a people whose yes is yes and whose no is no? Are we a people that say, hey, if so-and-so said it, you can take it to the bank? Are we that kind of people? Or 
Do we allow the culture that we're in that has a lot of bad stuff in it start eroding away by these little teeny lies that are just acceptable lies, but they erode away a foundation of truth that we're supposed to live in? Do we allow that? Right, men, do you lie about how tall you are? The majority of men lie about how tall they are, which is just ridiculous. Like, I have never lied about my height. I am a solid five, no, six foot three, seven foot. How tall am I? <laughs> Women, before you get mad, there's something you all lie about too. But I won't even talk about it. <laughs> maybe at one time you were that number, but maybe not anymore. <laughs> How about your phone? Oh, I didn't see your text. Really? Email must have gone to spam, man. I don't know what happened. How about this? When you're late and you send out that text, hey, ETA, estimated time of arrival in 10 minutes, even though your map is telling you 18 minutes. Anyone ever do that? Just a little one. Come on, it doesn't matter, right? Are we flaky and noncommittal? Fear of missing out. Do we round up? So you start a Bible study and you're wanting it to do well and people kind of know about it and it's going and someone asks you, hey man, how many did you have come to your Bible study? You counted, it was 38. But you're like, oh, about 50. Oh, really, right? Do I ever say in a sermon, hey, I'm almost done. <laughs> when I'm not. And I know it. Do we, right? Someone asks you if you read a book and you want to act like you're smart, so... You didn't, but you're like, oh, I love that author. And they ask you, well, what about the chapter on superlapsarianism? Man, that is a tough subject, isn't it? You just keep your lies rolling along. Do we curate this image on social media that we know is a complete fabrication? It's not even close to who we are. Withholding certain information, letting out half-truths to try to make something that is not true. At work are there duties that we agreed to do, but you know what? They're not that important, so we don't do them anymore. Just these subtle little lies. Do you make excuses to not to go somewhere? I've got company in town. Yeah, the company you've got in town is your cat. It counts. One of my furry animal, I mean furry kids or whatever you want to say. All right. We all do them, and what happens is your foundation for integrity is just eroded. It happens. And sometimes we just got to be like, <clears throat> so uh, recently at my house, I put in one of these cameras that takes a picture every time like someone drives up your driveway. So fascinating to see who's at your house when you're not there. So just the world we live in, right? Um, but it's been interesting because of my kids. So Charity and I, we hit 9.30 at night, 10 o'clock at night. I'm in bed. Like I am tired. I get up early. I go to bed 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. Well, I've got a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old that they want to stay up later than 10. I can't understand it. It's ridiculous to me. It's like 10 o'clock is a great time to go to bed, right? So we're in bed. They come home and we're like, hey, when'd you get home? Oh, I don't know, like 10.30, 10.45. I did not tell them that I set this camera up. <laughs> yeah. So my son get home. I said, hey, what time did you get home last night? Oh, I don't know, about 10.45. It was 12.14 right here, buddy. It was the best. Now they know where it's at, so I've got to like move it around like different spots. 
I'm gonna do a parenting class and it's gonna be one thing, buy a camera, it's awesome. <laughs> just buy cameras, put them up, man, catch your kids. We just all do it. It's like this natural kind of way that we are. Well, Matt, why does truth matter so much? I'll give you three things and I'm done. Scout's honor. I promise, I'm serious. Number one, truth changes the world. Truth changes the world. So do you like right now, like there's this an incredible ability that you can get on a website in Asia or get on a website in Europe and you can order something and that thing ends up in your, on your porch a couple weeks later. Isn't that amazing? Or a week later or two days later. Do you like that? It's called international commerce. Do you know that international commerce is only possible because of a group of people whose yes was yes and whose no was no. Here's how it happened 250 years ago in America. America is not industrialized. We don't make stuff. We just grow crops. That's all we do. Britain has gone through the industrial revolution. They make a lot of stuff. Well, America wanted the stuff that, that Britain was making and Britain wanted to sell the stuff to America, right? It's a good market. There's only problem was this. Uh, Britain would say, okay, we are going to ship you 500 shovels. Pay us when you get them. But what happened in America was you'd get those 500 shovels and you'd be like, I don't think I'm gonna pay you. I'm gonna disappear into Kentucky and no one will ever find me. I'm gonna sell the shovels, right? And then other times you would pay for 500 shovels and they would ship them across and you only get 350. So there was this problem. And so there needed to be a middle group, a middle group whose yes was yes and whose no was no. Guess who they chose? Guess who they knew to choose? The Quakers. There was Quakers in Pennsylvania and there was Quakers in London. And if you don't know the Quakers, the Quakers are a group of Christians who literally live by the Sermon on the Mount. It is their code of how to live life. And one of the things is, your yes must be yes and your no must be no. And you will keep your vows even to your own hurt. And that's what the Quakers did. And so they started to use the Quakers because they knew the Quakers, if they said they'd pay you for 500 shovels, they would pay you for 500 shovels. If they say, we're gonna ship you 500 shovels, you would get 500 shovels. If you did it, the Quakers would pay for it themselves. They would own it. They would, they would just, okay. That's how dedicated they were to truth. They changed the world because they were honest. Their yes was yes and their no was no. Imagine a group this size in Grant's past who never lied, whose yes was yes, whose no was no. How would that radically transform our city? And there's this group at Hedgewater, they're unbelievable. They just don't lie. They always tell the truth. It's peculiar, it's amazing, it's incredible. It would grow viral. Truth changes the world. Number two, lies are the evil one. So in my translation, that final verse there says, let, your, let, you say, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. That is not a good translation. There's an article before the Greek word. We would translate it the. It's literally, and it's personified. It's a male, the evil one. Lies are from the evil one. You and I are never more like Satan than we lie. Jesus in John chapter eight says this, 
that Satan is the father of all lies. That Satan, since the beginning, Genesis chapter three, has always been trying to take apart truth. He wants to disassemble it. He wants to get out propaganda. He wants to change every truth into a lie because then nothing can be believed and no one believes anything. And it's just this mushy jelloness of life. And Jesus comes and says, no way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm telling you, frontline spiritual warfare is lies and truth. Will you, take a, will you tell a lie and participate right now in the kingdom of darkness because that's what you're doing? Or will you stand up and tell the truth because when you do, you're bright light. Lies are directly from the pit. Listen to this verse in Revelation. It should cause all of us to pause for a second. Listen to what it says. I'll just read it to you and you can, you can interpret it how you want. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Lies are from the evil one. When we lie, we participate in darkness. When we tell the truth, it's light and it's bright and it's true. I think in order to lie, you have to have believed a lie. If I say this, I'll be accepted. If I say this, then I'll get something out of it. Or here's my favorite lie. I promise this will be the last lie. Well, you just lied twice right there. Because lies reproduce. They're like rabbits, aren't they? They just reproduce. There's more. Every lie requires all these other lies to back them up, right? And whenever you lie, what happens? When someone catches you in a lie, all the trust, everything you said before is now called into question, right? So husbands, if your, wife told, if your wife told you, hey, I was at Bimart for an hour and you find out she was not at Bimart for an hour, what are you thinking in your head? What else did she lie to me about? The trust, everything that's good is broken in that moment because you're participating in the kingdom of darkness in that moment. spiritual warfare. Do you know that lies make you dumber? So when you tell the truth, your brain's real simple. It has a file. Here's the story. Here's what it is. The moment you tell a lie, here's what your brain has to do. It has to spin now up and be like, okay, this is the truth. And I know I lied, but who did I lie to? And so it's got to keep like this record and it's always spinning in its head because it doesn't want to get caught in lies, right? So then you're spinning in your head the whole time like, well, I lied to this guy and this guy. This guy knows the truth, but these two people don't know the truth. So I got to spin this thing up. And whenever that subject comes up, your brain has to be like, okay, hold on a second. Check the file for the truth. Who do we lie to? And it's always spinning it. And that takes horsepower. And some of us in here can't spare any horsepower. We're going to start falling when we chew gum. Like, ugh. too many lies, bro. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. 
Here's the good news. Here's my last point. The gospel of the kingdom is this. It's Jesus saying this. You don't need anyone else to make your words matter. You don't need to swear on something. Whatever it might be, you don't need that. You don't need to posture or pose or pull rank or pretend or brag or wear a mask or lie. You don't need that. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no because of who you are, because of the value that you have. Let me try to illustrate it like this. So I went to Western Seminary, graduated, and the term I graduated, there's a professor up there, his name is Gary Bashirs, Dr. Gary Bashirs, head of the theology department. Um, he's probably the most popular, famous, he's the top, top dog there, right? Great guy, love him, wonderful, right? So he has this Dropbox folder that he gives you uh, access to. So I know I'm graduating here in a couple of weeks. So I grabbed all of the stuff in his Dropbox file thing, and I copied them onto my computer. At least I thought I copied them onto my computer, right? Well, in an elders meeting, I get this email from Dr. Gary Bashirs, head of the theology department, big time dude. Hey, Matt, I'm not sure what you did, but it wiped out a whole bunch of files in the Dropbox folder. Be sure to copy rather than move the files. Thanks. Gary, I'm like, oh no, that's a bummer, right? So he sends this next email. Um, I've already stored them, Matt, so he got it all back. If I paid money, I could exclude you from this ability, but I'm cheap, Gary. Now, I have always been a smart aleck. It is a real problem with me. So you've got this head of the theology department at Western Seminary who's probably not very happy with me. And this is the email I send back to him. Oh, I actually wanted the files for myself. It's part of my plan to rule the world. <laughs> Idiot, but I just can't help myself, right? You can pray for me. Put that on your prayer list. Help Matt not to be a smart aleck. This is what Gary, after I destroyed his Dropbox folder, whatever that caused him, all the problems that caused him, I'm a smart aleck back to him. Look what he emailed back to me. Of course you will rule the world. Of course you're gonna rule the world because you are a son, a daughter of King Jesus. Of course you're gonna rule the world. Do you understand how that transforms you? Why would you lie then? Why wouldn't I tell the truth? I know who I am. I'm a king in training. I'm a queen in training. I'm a thrice holy citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm a son, a daughter in whom Jesus says, I am well pleased in you. Of course I can tell the truth. Of course I'm not gonna lie. Of course my yes will be yes and my no will be no. Even when I make a mistake, even when I'm a bonehead, I'm gonna still tell the truth because I know who I am and I know whose I am. And even my mistakes, when I confess them and confront them in truth, they don't take away anything from me. They actually purify me and they're the pathway forward. They're how I get set free. So of course I'm gonna tell the truth because I know who I am. This is how I get healed. This is how I grow. This is how I become the person that can rule and reign with Jesus forever. That's what the gospel tells you. It transforms you. 